Hope everybody's doing all right. Wasn't that some great music? This morning's message, I titled, Where to Draw the Line. And sometimes we as believers, all the time, we as believers have to draw a very clear line of who we serve, especially in this world today. Uh, There's so many people pulling other people in many different directions. And I hear and see a lot of supposed Christians, Christians willing to throw away what the Bible teaches either to escape persecution of this world or try to justify the sin that they're living in or someone else that they know was involved in. The Bible's ultra clear on what sin is. There's no mistake. You can read God's Word and it it is true. And it is specific on what sin is and, and what is acceptable. And now, this world, severely damaged by sin, has grown darker and darker and more wicked. So, where to draw the line? One sin, easy to talk about right now, is murder. We see a lot of people being murdered, but we really see more babies being murdered than anything. Babies being ripped from the womb. Murder of the unborn has been made a normal practice in America and around the world. The murder of babies. It's been politicized. I've been seeing headlines here lately. We as Christians have been standing more against Roe versus Wade than we ever have, it seems. And look at all the pushback that we're getting. I see headlines saying people are trying to take away women's rights. It's not trying to take away women's rights. No one on this planet has the right to murder. Not too long ago, a majority of America and around the world would have agreed with that statement. But now, if you say something like what I'm saying, you are an outcast. You're ignorant. You don't know what you're talking about. Science shows this. Science shows that. So we even find some of our brothers and sisters saying, okay, well, if, if, it's, if it's not formed as a baby yet, if it's, it's still just a, a small fetus, then it's okay. No, it's never okay. Once the egg is fertilized, that is life. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, I knew you before I knitted you in the womb. And that's paraphrased. Jeremiah was a prophet that came before uh, Daniel. And Daniel chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. And we'll talk a little bit about Jeremiah and what what he was preaching. A lot of what we preach today is just just total garbage to the world is foolishness the cross is foolishness to those who are lost the Bible teaches us that and makes it very very clear my advice to believers is know what your Bible says about the topic that you're wondering about if you hear somebody say something on the news or you hear somebody proclaiming something if you're a believer take that to God's Word 
take and hold it against God's word and see what God has to say. And then, my advice is, you better side with what the Bible teaches. Because if you don't, there's great, great consequences to ignoring, ignoring the God of the universe. You must not ignore him. You can trust in the solid foundation of his word. So today we will see a display of unwavering faith. Do you serve God or do you serve the world? Do you serve the God of the universe or do you serve a certain politician, a certain side? Be on God's side. Pay close attention to the word of God. Understand that though there may seem to be human heroes in Scripture, God is always the champion. Always. He never fails. His plan is unfolding and will continue to unfold, and the gospel will continue to be preached all throughout the world until Jesus' return. That's something that we can, we can know for sure. So Daniel chapter 3, if you would stand with me as we read God's word. Daniel chapter 3 says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent together the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, uh, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, and the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods, worship the golden image, 
or worship the golden image that you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought these men before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you on this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Well, and then King Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more and then, uh, than it usually was heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And then the men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their other garments. And they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning fiery furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fire furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps and the prefix, the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, the cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their bodies' houses, their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for showing us how you are a faithful God, how you have the ability to save us, 
And Lord, even if you choose not to intervene, you are still sovereign over all the world. Kings, nations belong to you and are all part of your plan. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they will come to know you today. And for the believers here, I pray that they are encouraged. I pray that they will serve you and not fear the world. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all be seated. So up to what we have read, the prophet Jeremiah had prophesied about this. He had already spoken of, of what was going to happen. You see, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been taken and they had been uh, moved from Israel to Babylon along with many others, thousands of others. So I want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 25, and I want to read verses 1 through 11. And this is where, this is where Jeremiah is prophesying that they would be taken captive. And it says it much better than I could relay it. So Jeremiah chapter 25, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah... In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah. That was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, the king of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me. I have spoken persistently to you. You have not listened. You have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear, although the Lord persistently sent you all his servants, the prophets, saying, Turn now, every one of you, from his evil way and evil deeds, and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given you, and your fathers from old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them, to provoke me to anger with the work of your hands then I will do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, and for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants and against all these surrounding nations. I will devote them to destruction and make them a horror, a hissing, an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will banish them from the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the grinding of the millstone and the light of the lamp, this whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. So this, what we're reading this morning, is the beginning of a 70-year exile to Babylon because of them not obeying God, turning from him, not listening to his ways. We see that now. The great consequence of ignoring the word of the Lord 
is that Lord will stand back. The Lord will stand back and watch as people give in to their sinful pleasures. He will stand back and watch nations fall. And not only that, it said, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, says the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan king. But the Lord was using him for judgment of Israel. That's the God that we serve. So Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, we see that they were given pagan names, Belshazzar. Hananiah was given Shadrach. Mishael was given Meshach. And Azariah was given Abednego. These are, are God-honoring names being switched to pagan names. That's what's happening there. It's part of a brainwashing technique that they used. So they, were, they had taken these men captive and they were teaching them to be Babylonian. They were trying to transform them from Jewish people to Babylon. That we see things like that happen in this day and time and all over the world. People being brainwashed into believing things that are against God's word. Yes, we most certainly do. And if you're not seeing it, you are blind. But it's been happening all throughout history. And we can read many times where uh, Israel was taken captive and led away to another land. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this story seem to be the only ones with integrity. Verses 1 through 7, King Nebuchadnezzar had a huge image of gold made to honor himself. This image was around 90 feet tall and around 9 feet wide. So this was a giant idol made in the image of the pagan gods and also King Nebuchadnezzar himself. It was made to honor other gods in him. So the king made a decree to all the people. And all the people that were there were, were main people. They were head people. They were governors. They were prefects. They were, they were counselors. They were people over other people in charge. And also the regular people too. He made a decree that if anyone, any of you, does not bow to this image that I've made, you will be thrown into this fiery furnace. The fiery furnace burned alive. Well, that's pretty scary. That's pretty motivating, isn't it? If you're standing there, this image is there, you don't really want to bow down to it, but you don't really want to be burned up either. You don't want to be persecuted, especially to death. So the orchestra played and the people bowed down. So why was there even a fiery furnace there? Likely, it was used in the construction of the giant statue. It was a, it was a furnace that was used to melt metal and overlay the statue with gold, most likely. So there's already a furnace there. So the king's like, well, I'm going to use that as a scare tactic. And it wasn't just a scare tactic. He meant it. When a king made a decree, he meant it. So people were going to die if they didn't bow their knee. They would be thrown into the furnace. Verses 8 through 12. There were people seeking to get rid of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego already. Because prior to this, 
Daniel had interpreted a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. And when he did that, the king put him over his court. He made him in charge. And then Daniel asked for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be given positions of power. And they were. So people that had already been there, people that were already Babylonians, they were mad. They were angry and they hated the Jewish people, especially ones who were given authority over the rest of them. So they're seeking to kill them already. And this is just a perfect opportunity. So they went to the king and they told, told the king, these people didn't bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow to your image. So he orders for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought to him. He's angry. He's full of fury, it says. They come to him. And he says, is this true, what I've heard? Are you saying you're not going to bow to this image? I've already told you I'm going to throw you into a fiery furnace. Now, he's going to heat it up seven times hotter. These furnaces, they reach 1,800 degrees. So 1,800 degrees is what they're going to be thrown into. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They weren't afraid. So if you were placed in their position, you, you're told to agree with or bow down to a certain idea that doesn't go along with God's word. It goes totally against God's word. But you're told you must bow down to it. What would you do? What would you do in this circumstance? I mean, what would be the harm? You're just bowing down. It's not like you truly worship the golden image. It's not like you truly believe in it. So what's the harm in it? Worshiping idols. One of the commandments being broken. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were men of integrity. They wouldn't bow down. They wouldn't give in. They were in it. For whatever consequence may be, they were standing their ground. Church, brothers and sisters, this is the way we must be. As this nation and this world spirals out of control, promoting sin, we must stand firm on our belief in God. Either you're with him or against him. The Bible says that and makes that very clear in multiple places too. If you're not of him, you're an enemy of him. Don't fall into that category. Stand firm. So they stood while all else fell on their faces and worshipped the golden image. They stood up and it was noticed. They were told on. And here they are in a predicament. So in his fury, brings them up, asked them. He even gave them an opportunity. The king loved them, I guess, or thought a lot of them. He'd already made the decree. 
but he was willing to, to let the orchestra play again. And he says to him, listen, if you will, if you're ready to bow down and worship this image, we'll turn the music back on. But they, they didn't give in. They weren't afraid. He was willing to have it all go on again just for them. He even asked them. He says, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. Who is the God who will deliver you? Well, at this moment, King Nebuchadnezzar had uttered words that was totally against the God of the universe. He was thinking he was in total power. But who was really in control? And he didn't know it, but Jeremiah had already said, Thus says the Lord, my servant, the King Nebuchadnezzar. You see, God's always in control of everything that's going on. So who's the God that will deliver you? Tested God. Verses 16 through 18, they'd made up their mind. They knew biblically, scripturally, where they stood, and there was no question about that. They were not afraid. They stood strong. They stood firm. They knew where to draw the line. Do you, this morning, do you know where to draw the line? They knew that God could deliver them if he wanted to. They probably thought of Noah and the flood and the ape that was on the ark. They probably thought of Moses. God parted the Red Sea and they walked through on dry land. They probably thought of David, King David, facing Goliath and knew that their God could deliver. God is a champion. They knew that. They knew that God could deliver. But verse 18, I want to read it again. They say, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Brave words. Standing against the king that's about to throw him into a fiery furnace for their belief, for standing up and what they believe in, they say, do what you got to do. Basically. We also see people like that throughout Scripture. Isn't that so powerful and, and encouraging? That they knew God may not rescue them from the fire, but still they stood on what they believed in. That encourages me. The world may be against me, and they are. Yesterday, we was on the float. They made me a wise man. People don't know that I'm not that wise, I guess. You say, well, we sure do. I'm sitting there, and we're going through town. And I hear some young people making fun of us as we go by. I hear somebody say uh, a really horrible thing, making a joke. And it was a horrible, 
perverted joke. They said it out loud, and there's kids and everything. It didn't make me angry. It made me sad. But it also made me realize where I draw my line and that we really, really need to love these people who are out there in the world being taught that we're, we're the bad guys, I guess. Uh, the, the comment that I actually heard was, ooh, church people. How's that make you feel? Ooh, church people. Well, that's the way the world is right now. Ooh, church people. I mean, that, that is really the way the world is. That's their message to us. Ooh, church people. It's a compliment to me. They recognize that, that I belong to Christ. So don't be angry with the world, but draw the line. Draw the line where you stand. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. I want to read that to you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And Jesus said, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they feared God, not the king. They did not fear him at all. They didn't fear the consequence. I'm sure it was a little nerve-wracking knowing that they were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. But they knew that once their body was dead, that there, were, there, there was much more than this life. They knew that they would be standing before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They had no doubt about that. What about you? If you die today, what, do you have an assurance that you know where you're going? Could you stand against King Nebuchadnezzar? Could you stand before him and say, do what you've got to do? Look into your heart. So verses 19 through 23, the king was filled with fury. He ordered the flames to be made seven times more hot. He ordered the mighty men of his army to bind the three men and to throw them in the fire. And they were bound in their cloaks, tunics, and hats, fully clothed and tossed into the fire. They were tossed into the fiery furnace. And because it was so urgent, it says in verse 22, and the furnace was so overheated, the ones that threw them in died immediately from the heat. So the mighty men of the army who threw them in there died. That's how hot it was. Just being at the doors of this furnace killed them. Hot. There was no fluke. The flame hadn't died down. God had taken control of the situation, stepped in, he had intervened, and chose to deliver them from this fire. So how could anyone survive this? Verses 24 through 27. The bound men were now unbound. 
That tells me that the fire probably burned the binding off of them. It doesn't say that. That's how I see it. The fire burned the binding off of them, but their clothes wasn't touched. There wasn't any singeing on their garment. Their hair wasn't singed. They didn't smell like smoke. Because verse 25 tells us there was another in the fire. There was another one in the fire with them. Nebuchadnezzar, he stood up quick and he was astonished. And he said, there's another in there. Looks like the son of the gods. Well, he was pagan. He didn't know. God had sent an angel to protect them. Or maybe it was the pre-incarnate Christ. But it makes very clear that God rescued these men from the fire. Verse 26, the most high God, said King Nebuchadnezzar. And everyone took notice in verse 27 to the totally unharmed people. They came out. What was supposed to be their tomb, their death? They should have been incinerated to powder with that hot heat. With, as soon as they were thrown in, they should have combusted at that heat. Their clothes would have immediately caught fire and they would have burned up and suffered a, a very quick death. I mean, they, they would have died quickly, but it would have been a horrible thing to, to witness. And that's what ne King Nebuchadnezzar wanted. He wanted all those who were standing around to see what exactly is going to happen if you mess with me, the king. But he was working against God. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king says. The God who delivered his servants who trusted in him. Don't be afraid of the world that can kill only the body. Fear the one who can destroy both the body and the soul in hell. Remember that verse. Don't be afraid of the world. Jesus has overcome the world. Do you believe that this morning? Those of you in this room and those of you watching, Jesus Christ has overcome the world. He is the Savior. So verse 29, he makes the decree that everybody, all peoples, all languages, everyone standing here today, you better not say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or we'll rip you limb from limb and we'll tear your houses down. So he goes from what God is going to be able to save you to if you talk against this God, you've had it. Right then, he developed a reverent fear of the Lord that almost all of the world today doesn't have anymore. Some of us get angry for having to stand too long during a service or sit too long or this or that in the comfort of a church. And hopefully nobody's like that here, but all across the nation there's people like that. More worried about comfort. Worried about being persecuted by somebody saying a little something. Fear God. Fear Him, not the world. And don't seek to serve yourselves. Seek to serve the Lord. 
the God of heaven and earth, who is able to deliver even from a fiery furnace. That's the God I serve. And I love him dearly. Verse 30. The three men that were just thrown in the fire for not listening to the decree of the king were now promoted. Promoted to even more power. What do you think about that? God's pretty awesome, isn't he? He's able to bless even those who who seem like they're being cursed at at the moment. So in this, I, I see what was supposed to be the final resting place for them being left empty. Do you, do you get that out of that story? That was supposed to be their resting place. They were thrown in there. They were expected to be there, turned to dust, but it was left empty. They walked out. Jesus was put to death. Jesus was taken to a cross. He died. Brutally beaten, bleeding all over the place, suffocating on his own fluids, crown of thorns pressing into his skull and and just creating a pain that that we can't even imagine. I I imagine as he's hanging there on a cross, his back rubbing up and down that rugged cross every time that he would draw himself up to take a breath as he was suffocating. He said, it is finished. He died. They took a spear then and they, they shoved it up through his side and his fluids poured out. Then he was taken, and he was placed in a tomb, supposed to be his final resting place. Stone rolled in front of it, guarded by Roman soldiers, or the palace guards, and sealed. But in three days, he stepped out, people, alive and well. And he is alive today and forevermore. He is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last the beginning and the ending, the God who saves. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for being the Savior of the world, for showing us through Scripture that you are able to to stand against any worldly person. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Nothing can overcome you. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that has never put their faith and trust in you, that that your truth spoken today from your word will motivate them to serve you, that they will confess with their heart the Lord Jesus and believe that you have raised him from the dead. And Father, for those who have been beaten down by the world, I pray that they're encouraged to know that you will stand behind us as we face the world, because you've overcome the world. Lord, I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the altar's open for prayer. If you want to come and and pray for this nation, for a family member, a friend that you know that doesn't know Jesus, or you want to come and, and receive Christ, you can do it up here at the altar, or you can do it right there in the pew, or if you're watching, you can, right there on your couch, uh, you can confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. It says in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 11. Let's all sing together. Would you stand?